Um, the, the, the theme that we, have, um, we would like to share with you this morning is authentic prayer and God of faithfulness. Mm. Authentic prayer and God of faithfulness. Uh, allow me to just begin with a story, something that happened long, long, long time ago, uh, at the time when uh, Bulgaria was becoming more and more, and more a, a Christian country back in the 9th century. Uh, they were beginning to establish the monastic movement in the country. So a lot of, the, um, a lot of people, would, uh, mainly men, would go to the monasteries. And they were fascinated by prayer. So what they would do, they would walk into the mountains or into the um, uh, more hidden places uh, to pray so that they have their individual time alone with God. And as they walked, they would actually walk on the grass and grass would stop growing on the path because they used the same path over and over again several times a day. So, when somebody stopped praying and they wouldn't go as often to pray during the day, grass would start growing on the path. So others would actually remind the person and they tell him very kindly, the grass grows on your path, my dear brother or sister. So we'd like to ask you this morning, does grass grow on your path of prayer or not? Cain's Road has been a, a significant place for us as a family and in our ministries. Um, I was challenged by James to think 31 years ago, actually, is when we first came in. Yes, we interrupted the service. It was Tony Matthews, who was the pastor at the time. And we had gone through a situation in Bulgaria in which the, country, the, the church was closed by the communists, by a person virtually walking in the middle of the service and telling everybody else, no more meetings here, only by our permission. And the church actually stood up and left the building. So for about five years, we had um, underground meetings. That was back in 1981 to 85. So Tony Matthews, learning about that, he said, well, I want to introduce you to this church because we were very young. Diddy was expecting our first daughter. That's how we know exactly the years. Um, and he, he said, uh, let's, let's just tell the church what happened to you. But instead of telling them, we'll just play it. So he pretended he was going to start preaching, and then we interrupted and said, well, no more meetings here. We are from the secret services of this country, so this is the end of your... So people, people didn't know what to do that, that morning, but they still remember it. Yeah, so this is what James was referring. Uh, I mean, they didn't know whether to throw us out immediately or later. That, that's what I mean. But it has been a place of belonging, this church, to us. We were kind of adopted. Very young people uh, came here to do some some practical uh, training and theology with the open-end campaigners down in the central part of Bristol. And this became our home church. So after 47 years of communism, we didn't know where we were, and yet you adopted us. And you, you, you helped us very much to actually not only survive that time, but later, um, some of the fees for our college studies, which would have been impossible for us to pay, were actually paid by, by this church. So we, we own a lot to you, not only as a place of belonging, but a place of recognition and commission, in a sense. Our daughter, when she was born, was first blessed here in this church. And then this has become a place of support and encouragement, um, catching some of the vision that God has given to us. The Bulgarian Partners Trust was started here, still run by people in this church mainly. Um, and it has helped us to, to see the ministry in Bulgaria grow to a big, big extent. But most importantly, in the last few years, not only a place of support and encouragement, a place that we, we call home here in England, but also a place of prayer. Um, I wouldn't be able to explain how significant it is to know that someone or a group of people are praying for you 2,000 miles away. 
and are concerned about some of the issues that you are having in your life, although they have enough of their own things to pray for, and they would lift you up in prayer. And these prayers will be mentioned in different groups. Sometimes I can't, I can't um, hold myself but cry for, for being blessed in such a way, of having this kind of partnership, which is more of a spiritual partnership than anything else. And everything else is like a secondary but very important. So prayer is what we want to talk to you about today shortly. And that's not an accident. We chose this subject, although it was not intentional we were praying this morning, that we would like to share with you. So, Tiri. So prayer, prayer is really, really, really important. And it's important for us personally. It's important for our families. It's important for our ministry. Um, and I'm sure that if I, I was to ask the question now, and I will, have all your prayers been answered? And uh, do you have prayers which have not been answered? Has, has, is anybody here who has all their prayers answered? No? Right. Well, there's always one, but not in this <laughs> No, 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 thank you for being honest. That's true. We always have prayers which have actually not been answered. God knows why, but um, we have examples of fervent prayer in the Bible. And actually, James, the author of the epistle to James, gives an example, and he gives the example with Elijah. He sets him as his example of prayer. So there's two passages that we would like to read together, and one of them is James chapter 5, 17, verse 17 and 18. So can you please open your Bibles, um, electronic or uh, paper, whatever you have with you, um, and we'll read uh, Epistle of James, chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So who was Elijah? Have you studied the life of Elijah? You... you... Have you been through Elijah already in your, in your studies? No, you're coming to it. Oh, you have, you have it. Okay. So you know who he is. He was a God-sent prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel 900 years before Christ. So that's about 3,000 years before our time, long time ago. He lived in that time, and we know God worked some remarkable things through this guy. Very much unlike us, if I, I have to be honest. I mean, he, he raised the dead at some point. And also, he called fire from heaven, and, and God gave fire as a, as a sign of his presence. He also called for a drought. We're going to touch this in a moment. Called for, for rain, and, and God gave the rain. So in what way he was a human being, even as we are? I've always asked myself. And then you read his story, and you, you're surprised to find out that he also had his problematic moments. At some point, he fell into a depression and asked God to take his life. You remember this? There was another moment in which God was looking at him and saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? I want you over there. What are you doing here? Uh, and he, he had no answer because he shouldn't have been there. Uh, he also was afraid of, of, a, of a queen by the name of Jezebel. So indeed, looking more into this remarkable man, I'm more con convinced that he was actually a man like you and me, tempted in the same way with weaknesses and strengths just, just like all of us. He uh, lived at a time when there was a king called Ahab. And he is described at, as, as quite a bad king. In First King chapter 16, verse 30, we read, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Not only evil, but more than all who were before him. So uh, the practices that this king had introduced were worshipping um, a false god called Baal. He, he was actually 
known as the god of rain and fertility. Remember that when we talk about drought and rains. Uh, these people had invented this, this god or, or kind of inherited worshipping for him. And this was incredible because this worship included horrific, brutal cruelty, sexual perversions, violence, you name it. Child sacrifice as well. To the point we can't even imagine today. So Baal was a complete invention of distorted human imagination. And they have lifted him up there thinking he is the god of the universe, the god that controls rain and fertility. But no matter how great the darkness, God brings light. And Elijah was part of God bringing that light to the people of Israel at that time. So we're not going to go into detail of the story, but a little earlier, a little later actually in the same um, book in, the, in First Kings, in chapter 17, Elijah was sent by God to tell King Ahab that God was going to send draft, that rain was not going to come for three and a half years. A lot happens in between. The time that God stops rain coming from the heavens and when the rain comes. But when the time was right, God actually sent Elijah back to pray for rain. And this is the, the, the little moment we would like to concentrate on because I think that the prayer that Elijah prays is fascinating. And we have so much to learn from it. Just that little episode. So let's read that second text we said we're going to read. And there's several points that are worth pondering on. So this is 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41 to 46. So let's read it together. 1 Kings 18 Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of, heavy, of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look forward the sea, toward the sea. He told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rainstorm came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucked his clothes into his belt. He ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Elijah, Five little things we would yeah. like to share with you this morning out of this prayer. Most of them are things that you have heard, I'm sure, but yet it's, it's worth reminding ourselves about that. And this is the first one. We should pray with faith. It's a simple thing, and how often we actually get our prayers more in a routine without really putting a lot of faith in, in what we pray for, unfortunately. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. Three and a half years, there was not a drop of rain coming. The sky was clear. Like in England two weeks ago, you couldn't see anything. So hot. And, and people were complaining about that. And three and a half years is not three weeks. You can imagine what happened to the animals, what happened to the crops, what happened to the daily life of these people. And suddenly, Elijah goes to Ahab and says, I can hear sound of a heavy rain. 
There wasn't even a cloud on the sky. How did he hear? What did he hear? Some commentators are saying, well, the sound may have been that of a sure promise and faith in the heart of Elijah, of God's ringing in his soul, promising rain. Elijah walked by faith, and sometimes walking by faith means walking alone. Have you had a moment like that? It's been a, a remarkable way when God really gives you a vision and prompts you to pray. And you may happen to be the only person who actually has this vision. So the faith is given specifically for you. This reminds me of a classic definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. We all know it by heart. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. There is power in this authentic prayer when it is pronounced with faith. You know, we received a vision for our center and it was like 13 years before we could see this center finished. More than that, 15 years. And the beginning was very difficult. The vision was given to just a few people and there was a moment in which I, I would never forget, a, a, a certain man called me on the phone and said, listen Teddy, I think you got it all wrong. This must be from Satan. You would never see anything be built there. Why don't you just concentrate on what you have and not think about bigger things? And I remember being crushed deeply in my, into my soul. I didn't know what to say. We are told in the Bible you do not despise a vision and you do not despise criticism when people give it to you in this way. He was convinced that this was a word from the Lord and it was basically what the Lord has given us and what the Lord has given him. And I remember for maybe half an hour I just couldn't get myself together. It was just a, such a heavy hit. But then this calm Assurance that this is from me. Just believe and go. Believe and go. You're going to see it. 15 years it took for this thing to see. And it wasn't even the strength of what, what we received as a vision. It was simply the faith that it's come from God. Elijah went to Ahab and said, there is a rain sound in my ears, in my heart. You better prepare for it because it's coming, whether you believe it or not. Because I know the God who gave this promise. So how are your prayers? Are they by faith in God's promises? Because you may feel quite alone when you pronounce them before the Lord. Five things. So first of all, praying with faith. Second of all, praying with humbleness. What he loved was he, went, he knelt down and there was no one there. He knelt down, he put his head between his knees, so low. He wasn't showing off in front of everybody, anybody. He was actually standing all by himself, just his servant there before God. And he knew his God, and he knew he was, who he was asking from. So he had this heart of humbleness, his posture, his position, the way he prayed, told a lot about his attitude toward his God, about his love for God, about his respect to God. We are told in the Bible to, to come boldly before God, but at the same time, we do not command God. We come boldly to him, we ask from him, but we can learn a lot from Elijah's posture of prayer. One thing I'll never forget is um, how my dad prayed. Um, I had the privilege, we had the privilege, both Teddy and I, to grow up in Christian homes during the communist time. And this was something that was not happening to many people. So I personally valued that very much because I could see what was happening outside and I could see what was happening at church and my home. The peace and the joy we had. And every evening I saw my dad to pray next to his bed on his knees. He didn't force me into anything. He didn't um, tell me you have to be a Christian or anything else like that. On the opposite, he would talk to me, he would be gentle with me, but I saw his example of prayer. Do we allow other people to see us respect God in this way? 
Do we allow our children, our grandchildren to see that? The humbleness of Elijah had so much to say about prayer, the posture of prayer. Let me tell you a funny example that not in, well, in country like Bulgaria, for that posture of prayer, you could actually be persecuted. And there's many other countries at the moment where if you see him praying, you're in difficulty. You will be persecuted. But in this country, it was a good thing to show your posture of prayer and to pray. So this young man went into the army. It was compulsory for every young man to do that. So he went into the army and he had his first guard duty. So when you're on guard, you don't fall asleep. Otherwise, there's heavy penalties. He tried very hard and he was doing very well until 4 a.m. in the morning when he slowly started dozing off. And when he opened his eyes, the officer in charge was right in front of him. So that young man was very smart. He put his head down again, and as he was lifting it up, he said, Amen, Lord. (laughs) So he was not actually penalized. (laughs) But posture of prayer. Pray with faith and pray humbly. Thirdly, pray earnestly. This we see in verse 43. Go and look toward the sea, Elijah told his servant, and uh, he went up and looked. And there is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Elijah buried his head between his knees in reverence to God and sent his servant to the top of the mountain, they were on the top of the mountain, to look for what God had promised but no one had seen before. It's an amazing, amazing text. And there's just two words here. Two words. Seven times. And behind the two words we read, there's a whole episode. So to actually try and attempting to explain what it means, we're going to play it out. So I'm going to be Elijah. You're going to be the servant. Okay. (laughs) Do I have a choice? No. You can't bend your knees. So, what did he do? He prayed the first time, right? And he sent his servant and he came back. And then he prayed the second time. He bowed down on his knees. I can't actually bend so low. He put his head between his feet. And he prayed, God, please give rain. Then he got up and he asked his servant to go and have a look. And he did and had a look at the top of the mountain, and he came back. No, no cloud. So a third time, Elijah knelt down, and he put his head between his knees, and he prayed, God, please give rain. And he stood up, and he sent his servant to go to the top of the mountain to look at the sea for rain, and he came back, and he said... There is nothing, Master. How many times? Three Three times so far? Already, yeah. Fourth time, he knelt down and he prayed. And he said, God, please send rain. And he stood up and he sent his servant to the top of the mountain to have a look again. And to come back. There is nothing, Master. Shall we do this tomorrow? So the fifth time. (laughs) No, we keep on praying. For the fifth time, he knelt down. And he put his head between his feet and he asked God to bring rain, please God. And he stood up and he sent him again up to the top of the mountain. And he looked and he came back. No, nothing. Sorry. 
And for the sixth time, really? Yes. He sent him and did exactly the same. Knelt down, prayed, God, please send rain. And then he got up again. And again, nothing again. Are you sure? Did you look very hard? Five times. Six times. This was the sixth time. <laughs> so a seventh time, Elijah knelt down and he prayed and he asked. And then he stood up and he said, go and look. So he went and he looked and he came back. <laughs> and he said, there's a small, small cloud. <laughs> well, when do we give up? When we pray and we don't get an answer, when do we give up? When do we stop praying? Do we keep on going earnestly asking because we believe in God's promises and we know that he's promised us that and it will be there. Elijah did not get tired. Oh gosh, my knees hurt now. Elijah did not get tired. He continued and he prayed and he continued and he prayed and he trusted God and he did not get disappointed and continued and he prayed and he prayed do you remember the new testament where Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray and he told them the story of the widow the parable of the widow remember and the, and the judge yeah. and, and, and the judge and then the widow was going to the judge and asking and the judge was not a righteous person he would not give her anything and she went again and again and again and then she came she, she apparently received and Jesus is saying pray like this woman pray like this widow she was so insistent that she was she even became impertinent so insistent and Jesus says to, to his disciples this is the way you should pray so bravely and so insistently and so earnestly so we often look at the circumstances and we get discouraged because in the circumstances we don't see the answer many times but actually we are encouraged to be earnest in prayer just like Elijah and just like this widow but also he was praying this is like a fourth thing we get out of this passage very specifically purposefully I'm all for this list of prayer requests we have I've got a notebook with lots of things I go through it every week and there are many things in there um, but isn't it important to remind ourselves that unless we expect some specific things in prayer we may actually get some general answers. Elijah was specifically praying for rain. Yes, it was a vision from God, but he knew exactly what he wanted to see. And it was important for him and, and his ministry. Psalm, you've been through Psalms recently. Psalm 5, verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. I had to study this passage for a sermon some time ago, and I was fascinated to realize that this phrase, I lay my request, I direct my requests, is actually almost a military term. It says, I'm lining the arrow in my bow so that it can hit the target. I'm not just placing it anywhere. I'm not just throwing it away. And it's one arrow, which is pointed in the right direction. So I, I lay my request specifically so that the answer could be very very specific let me tell you another story you may not uh, have heard this before but we had this interesting person who visited us from ukraine a pastor he was visiting bulgaria for some some reason and he preached in the church and afterwards we had these conversations about situation in ukraine how how they're dealing with that and he said well pastor to pastor i'll tell you a few things here 
One of them was we had this prayer group of pastors specifically for the war. And we were praying in general terms, please, Lord, stop the war, deliver us, and things like those that you could imagine we would pray. But at some point, one of the people in, the church, in, the, in this group, a pastor, an older pastor, got a vision. And the vision and the, a message from the Lord was pray specifically for the salvation of the Russian soldiers. Now, it took him three weeks to convince this group they should pray specifically for the salvation of the Russian soldiers. And at the end of these this three weeks, they started praying, and in a while, they got this very interesting message from the prison authorities in, in, in some area of Ukraine, military prison authorities, and it was almost like a joke, but they were requesting, well, you guys, you Baptists, you always want to come and preach to the prisoners in prison. Now is your chance. We have get these this Russian soldiers. You can come and make them all Christians. And, and this pastor talking to me in Bulgaria said, you have no idea how long it took us to actually follow this request. These are our enemies. We don't want to have anything with them. We would rather kill them. And, yes, we, and yet we were praying specifically for their salvation. He said, but at the end of the day, common spiritual sense prevailed. We went and preached that, do you know, we understand the book of, of Jonah better now. They repented, most of them. We had these big baptismal services for dozens of these Russian soldiers in our Ukrainian prisons. We had to repent for our lack of vision and faith. But it would not have happened if we didn't pray specifically for the salvation of the Russian soldiers. I'm wondering sometimes if our prayers become more specific. Yes, faithful, yes, seven times, 70 times maybe, but more specific. How many more answers specifically we're going to see? I remember this old lady, a Roma lady, who was praying for her son to become a Christian for more than 20 years. We, we were tired of her. Every Wednesday prayer meeting, she would pray, and please, Lord, bring my son to the Lord. Every Wednesday. She passed away at her funeral for the first time. I met her son. He became a Christian three months later. So she, she didn't even see the answer, but she was so specific in what she was asking. So do you, do you pray specifically? And the last thing we'd like to uh, stress on that we learned from Elijah is that... Um, he was praying expectantly. He was expecting an answer as he prayed. Uh, let, let's just read the, those three, uh, two actually verses again. It's 44 and 45. The seventh time the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose a heavy rainstorm came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. A small cloud, on the basis of a small, tiny cloud, Elijah sent the servant to go to the king and tell him that a storm is coming. The storm was not there when Elijah did that. God answers prayer, and he answers in big ways, but oftentimes we don't see anything but a small cloud in the beginning, when he answers prayer. And Elijah noticed, the, the, the servant and Elijah noticed the small cloud. Do we notice the small cloud when God answers our prayers? Because oftentimes it's not the big thing. It's not the rain, the storm, and, and the heavy thunder, and everything else that is to come. But he answers with a very, very small cloud. Do we notice that? Because this is our faith that comes into action in these moments. Because what is the purpose of our prayer? What is the purpose of the answered prayer? It's not because we have very big faith. And we do, and it's good to have faith. And we know God. It's wonderful that we know him. Because he's worked in our lives. And we know what he's done in the past for us. But it's because 
He will be glorified in all these answered prayers in a way that others will see who he is and come to love him. And um, in John 14, 13, we read, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I found my, uh, my, one of my prayer books just recently uh, from uh, maybe 20 years ago. <laughs> and it was very interesting for me to read through this prayer book. So I, I had written down the prayer request when I wrote it, what answer I received and when I received it. And actually none of my prayers were answered the way I expected. <laughs> but I would never replace the way God answered and what I got to what I was expecting. Because he knew best and he gave me so much. Um, and it was so wonderful to actually go back and see that. So the small clouds, God answers. So um, the other encouragement from us is pray expectantly. Because if, the, if there's darkness, God's light can get away with the darkness. So friends, is there grass on the path of your prayer? Is it all so grassy that you need to call someone to cut the grass so you can walk on it? Or is it a path that is very visible because of the way you do it and because of the way God answers prayer? Sam Chadwick, a Wesleyan Methodist minister a century ago, was heard to preach not once but many times. And he would make this, this statement, and I quote, The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion even, he laughs at our toil, he mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we go our knees, on our knees and pray. Thank you for your prayers for us, but also let us remind ourselves today, no matter how great the darkness, God brings light. And you and I are in God's presence as his servants, and we're in the presence of the Father who answers prayer. So let's go there boldly, by faith, humbly, because we can only receive by grace but also being very specific, especially if the needs are sharp and specific. And we have a promise that he will answer our prayers according to John 14, 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified by the Son. Let us close with prayer. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity of meeting together again. We thank you for every sister and brother and every friend that is here in this church. Please bless them in their personal lives, in their if they have struggles, Lord, you lift up the struggles um, and teach us all how to pray. And thank you for this bonding of prayer and love and partnership over the years. We praise your name for all of these things. Looking toward heaven, where we have a secure place only because of the grace of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.